Running is really good for us. Sport can be a way to, to get out and to feel better about yourself and to learn something about you. And an athlete is somebody that trains smart and progress. And the best feeling in the world is to feel you're progressing. Hello and welcome back to The Big Run. Our week in the mountains continues with today's guest, Chloe Lanthier. Chloe is originally from Montreal in Canada, but now resides in Chamonix in France. She's an elite multi-sport athlete with over two decades of experience competing on an international platform. Passionate about mountain endurance sports, Chloe competes in ultra running events, mountain biking events, and is an accomplished ski mountaineer. She also established the Chamonix Mountain Endurance Academy, where she offers a wide range of programs that put to use her skills as a consultant and educator in sports rehabilitation and human performance. This is a fascinating conversation and a deep dive into Chloe's training principles and some of the services that she offers at said Mountain Academy. We also explore her love for the mountains as well and why she's still also partial to a little bit of athletics on the television. It's a fantastic conversation and a must listen for anyone who is drawn to the mountains. Let's get into the interview. Chloe, thank you so much for coming on The Big Run. Really excited to get to know a little bit more about you, your work and the mountains. The UTMB festival is kind of fast approaching and everyone's direction kind of turns towards the mountains at the end of August. Uh, and I'm excited to learn more and just doing a little bit of research before jumping on this call to have this conversation. It seems like there's a, there's a deep love of the mountains for you. I feel like that feels like a, a fair thing to say. I'm, I'm curious to know where that love sort of began and, and how it sort of continued to flourish and grow with you. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Danny, for having me on your podcast. And uh, yeah, I think we have something in common if you if I'm sitting here talking with you. Um, yeah, I mean, the mountains, for me, it's like sometimes people say, or not sometimes, but often people introduce me and say, Chloe, here's Chloe, she's a runner. Here's Chloe, you know, my friend, the runner. But for me, I'm a, I see myself, well, as Chloe, but um, for my activities, I see myself as a mountain athlete because I wouldn't be running as much, training as much, or riding my bike as much on the road. Um, my passion and my motivation is basically to be on a single track. Um, I'm Canadian, and I was born and raised in Montreal. And um, in my late teen or early 20s, I decided to move to Western Canada, to British Columbia. And this is where I very discover, I think, a love I had inside, but I had to move to figure it out and to see it and to basically feel it. And this is where it all started. I love that. I love that. So your, your, your sort of entire calling is single track. Is that, has there ever been roads within your life? Has like road running ever been a part? Like I was looking at your sort of mountain running CV and I'm sure there's something here. There's first and last road marathon at 22 mm -hmm. years in the Montreal marathon is the roads never called you back. Totally. Um, I love the road and I started running as a track athlete so I was a track runner so I was an 800 and 1500 meter runner and you as a track and road runner you can explain that this is where I learned to basically push my efforts and to suffer and to have pain I always say like racing an ultra is so much easier than racing a 1500 meter <laughs> it's just a whole different dimension and I train like I, I I at least I do one workout a week on the road just to keep my legs fast and edgy and uh, it's my way to feel light 
and uh, to feel I have power in a way that we don't feel in trail running because we deal with gravity, we deal, we deal with, um, you know, it's intense running trails and running uh, in the Alps or anywhere in the mountains because it's difficult, you know, we're dealing with, with gravity, we're dealing with, uh, you know, thousands of meters of, of, um, a vertical and it can be abusive versus on the road, it's a different type of intensity. You have the intensity from the speed and not as much from the terrain. Have you been watching the, the world championship? So full disclosure for the listeners, we're, we're recording this the morning after the, the, the men's 1500 meters. We're talking about the 1500 <laughs> meters just then with a, with a shock victory for Josh Kerr, um, which was very exciting to watch last night. I'm curious that that thing of, trail runners and road runners i i desperately don't want them to be sort of seen as do two different tribes i mean have you have you been watching the the world championships is that i mean do you see any sort of cross-pollination between mountain runners and, and road runners well here you go i'll tell you this i would never spend an afternoon watching the utmb on my screen but since the world athletics have started i don't miss a minute <laughs> so everything is planned my work and my training is planned around so you know i have dinner in the evening watching uh, watching the world that I go to bed when it's done. So, um, yeah, and I've been watching the Olympics since a little girl athletics is, and I have tickets for the Olympics next summer in Paris for athletics to the last two days of athletics. So I'm, I'm so passionate about it. I'm so inspired. I think it's amazing. And no matter what goes on right now with, you know, with all the drug issue that we hear so much in athletics, I still feel for me, it's a fundamental of running. Mountain running is a, is great. I love it. Of course, I've been running mountains for decades, but it's totally different. And what I see in athletics versus in mountain is athletic. It's really, it's really the edge of performance versus in mountain running. We haven't seen yet the edge of performance. It's still a very young sport. And even the training, training methodology and the amount of people that can act that can actually run and race at you know close to their physiological potential is really far that's a really interesting point and really exciting proposition that the sort of edge of possibility hasn't yet been discovered in mountain running i'd love to come back and sort of unpick that a little bit with you because i know you've got a scientific background uh, that the word nasa is also sort of cropped up in in your bio as well when i was i was reading through but we'll come back to that i'm curious to to know your journey because you're talking to me in Chamonix right now. What was your journey then from being in Canada and coming over and sort of setting up a, a base there in that beautiful part of the world? Well, I think to make my long story short, um, I've always been, uh, like when I move out west, um, this is when I really discovered like backcountry skiing and I start racing bikes, mountain bikes, and I did adventure racing. And I just wanted, I was so like... Um, I was so passionate about all the possibilities I could experience now living out West and being a track runner and being like a 10 K runner and a 5 K runner. When I was in Montreal, I thought, you know, I really love pushing the speed and pushing my efforts. But when I move out West, I realized that, Oh my God, I haven't even like touched my potential. And it was all about experiencing persevering and dedication mm -hmm. and suffering in the long distance so then i decided to start racing in europe um, the mountain running scene was um you know was already big here in canada we had almost nothing in the states there was like the traditional 100 milers that i was not as interested because they had pacers and it was just different for me i just wanted to go race with a lot of female and male that were experienced and very strong so in my mid 
to late 20s, I start coming to Europe in the Alps, not just in the Alps, actually all over Europe. And I went to Morocco for the Marathon of Sand five times. And this is how I got to discover Europe, the mentality. And I'm French Canadian. So being in Europe, I, you know, a part of my culture was thrown back at me that I didn't mm -hmm. have leaving Montreal and being out West. So I could start speaking my language again and um, and meeting amazing people. And when I came to Chamonix, I made some really close friends. Even the couple who owns the UTMB, the Polizzi, became friends of mine. And uh, then I came to Chamonix to race some of the UTMB races and, and everything evolved around that. Wow. Wow. What a journey. I, I, you touched on something there because I think but maybe people in I, this is me coming across as someone who's maybe not as well versed in the trail scene as I would like to be, but I'm curious to learn more. It's great to be having this conversation with you. But within Europe, the mountain running scene, it, it's massive, isn't it? Like it's it's there's a huge love and and passion for it in Europe that is kind of overwhelming. And I imagine when you're on the ground for an event like UTMB, d d is that when the, the sort of penny drops in terms of like realizing how big the the love for the sport is? I think for me, like seeing the sport for many, many decades is um, it has evolved with the mass, which I think it's great is now like before when I when I start racing, even my first Marathon des Sables, we were only 350 people. And now there's like thousands of people trying to get in it. Same thing within Europe here. It used to be popular, but, um, you know, there was a lot less people, but the the the, the crowd of runners were more elite and the recreational were strong, uh, but it was like very casual, very uh, non-assuming, very laid back, uh, very friendly atmosphere. Now, the big difference I see is there's, I mean, there's millions of people now trail running around the world. And it's the same thing in Europe. France is one of the biggest country for trail running. And um, I see the recreational feel booming um, and the elite feel like in women is picking up slowly, uh, very slowly. And the man's recreational feel is getting way stronger. Uh, we have about the same amount of elite runners, I find, that when I started. But now it's more international. There's more Americans, there's Canadian, there's more Asian. Um, and the woman field is small, but it's getting so much stronger, which is great to see. Um, so that are the big difference. The, the UTMB, for me, seeing the progress in 20 years and leaving living in Chamonix and seeing the culture, the big difference with UTMB is it's a brand. So it's becoming, it's more like it's it very, like, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying the facts. And, you know, everybody here would tell you the same thing is it's very commercial now. It's very, people just want to be part of it because it's big and it's emotional and it's intense and it's well promoted and it's a brand it's like anything iron man is a brand you know world athletics it's a brand the olympics is a brand you want to be part of something big that brings a lot of emotion and you be, can be part of it and that's what i see like when i came at first racing in europe it was it was to to race against the best because I like to push myself. Like if I train for an ultra, it's not to walk it. It's to run, try to run 70% of it and run like when walk when I suffer or it's really steep or I'm not doing well. Or, you know, sometimes I walk more. But what I'm saying is I came here to, re to race against the best and learn. So racing in Europe for me and came, coming forth in a field of really strong runner versus going to the U.S. and win winning in a hundred miler. Well, I always pick racing against the best. So, um, so to answer your question, that's it. Now I feel like it's a, a level a little bit beyond just the sport. 
it's it's super interesting and it's fantastic to get that that level of insight and I, you know from an outsider's point of view I, I do see your point about the utmb it's like it, it is you're absolutely right it's a, it's a huge huge brand with a huge portfolio just looking on the website and you see where they're located in terms of the races it's it's global it's a huge it's a huge huge operation i'm curious about you as an athlete and, and your training because you are a, a very decorated mountain runner but i'm curious about the the sort of the bike endurance bike side of the things that you've competed in as well how do the two sort of merge in terms of training when you're training for a particular kind of competition like say for example if you're training for a particular sort of mountain endurance race what's your kind of ratio with like the work that you do on the bike or is it all is it all on foot or is it sort of 50 50 how, how does that look for you and then maybe we can get into the sort of training that you maybe offer out to, to other people with the work that you do in, in your academy as well well um for me um like for a good decade I raced really high levels in both cross-country mountain biking and endurance mountain biking and mountain trail running and ultra running. But how I started, uh, I've always loved my bike when I was a little girl. So I always had my bike. I always loved the bike. And running came, you know, with track, like I was saying earlier, as a teenager. And when I moved out west, I started doing both. But first, it was more mountain biking. I was more like, I start racing bikes before I start racing trail running and ultra running. And I was doing also, I don't know if you remember, but all the multi-sport race, like the Echo Challenge. And so I was involved too and already doing multi-sport. So, but when it's, it almost happened like the same year that, you know, I start racing, like, for example, uh, Marathon des Sables, which is in April, and then a whole season of mountain bike racing and ultra racing. And on top of that, I was doing to the trail invitational I did abroad. So it's right, it's basically riding my bike in February from Anchorage all the way to, you know, to uh, across the Iditarod trail. So basically, to answer your question, I had 12 months to figure out how to race for bikes and ultra at a very high level. And to be honest, as I cross training, I don't believe in cross training, you want to be a good biker, you need to ride bikes, you need to go a good runner, you need to ride bikes. So what I was doing is I was doing some cycles throughout the year that I was putting a little more in my running and a little bit less in my riding and vice versa. But basically, I was training for, for two sports at the same time. So riding a lot and running a lot. But what I always did is I did quality. So I never I was never focused on very high volume um more quality and what um the other thing too is my bike riding brought me a lot of power output a lot of watts in my legs and ultra running really boosted my vo2 max and my um and my resistance to fatigue for long distance so there was a lot of parallel mm. so i gained a lot from being a cyclist i gained a lot of being a runner but i accomplished what i did on my bike because i trained really hard on my bike and vice versa Oh, that's interesting. So you never crossed the streams in terms of training then? They were all kind of sort of kept separately in their own camps. Yeah. And sometimes it was really hard. I would go like, you know, from riding in the morning to running in the evening or back to back. There's weekends. Some weekends I would focus more on riding bikes than running. But often that's how I think some of my qualities, I, I don't see myself as, you know, I'm not genetically talented. And I think I built my endurance and my resistance to feel and my my um, resistance to fatigue and my uh, effort level by training for two sport and sometimes it was really hard but I did it you know it's like you come back from a three-hour ride you go you have lunch and 
you know, or I work a bit and then late afternoon you go for your two hour steady state run, you know, it's not always easy, but then you build a lot of, you build a lot of, a lot of, you know, superficial gene. <laughs> you basically, you know, recreate a new body to be good for the long distance. Oh God. I mean, just, just you describing that training day made me want to have a lie down. I mean, it <laughs> sounds epic. I mean, just looking through your kind of your, your running sort of uh, biking CV, five Mark de Saab's top five finish uh, in the Mark de Saab, 1999 world champion, the 24 hours of solo mountain biking. I mean, 24 hours of solo mountain biking. I mean, that's got to be something. I mean, we've never had anyone who's completed something like that before mentally. I mean, has that got to be sort of an incredible strain because you're concentrating so intensely so that you don't sort of fall off and have an accident? You know, the big difference, I think the reason why I like to watch, for example, that the word of athletics is that's what I miss from mountain sport is I miss that intensity of the red zone, like mount racing, 24 hour mountain biking. If I remember back in 99 when the world championship were in Canmore in Alberta in Canada, which everybody who's been to Canmore, they know the single track is technical, it's steep, and we had full rain for 24 hours at night. We got, I mean, it was close to freezing level. But the difference in mountain biking is we, you know, you have to push like, we raced a two and a half hour, three hour race close to the red zone, but our 24 hour, we're really close to that level versus in, in, in trail running, most people walk their ultras, but that's not how it worked when I raced mountain bikes and it hasn't changed either. It's, you have to be really fit to race mountain bikes. It's not like you can just get off your bike and start pushing your bike. You know, you, you have a big climb, you have to hammer, you cannot just back off and you don't want to crash to hurt yourself. It's very technical, but it's really, you know, the training for mountain biking is, you know, you have to be committed. The only thing I want to add, though, because I'm far from being, you know, the queen of endurance is I don't want you make me sound better than I am. But it's it's the downside of training for two sport is I couldn't race as much. Um, you know, I couldn't do the full season of mountain biking. I couldn't race as much on trails. So, um, that's a downside. Um, and I would have loved, for example, to go to the Olympic and to stay a track athlete. And there's a lot of things I didn't accomplish for many things like we all do, but for me, it was better to race like bikes and trail running, but do less of each, but to actually try to be the best I could be in two or three different sports. I think you're being very modest there. It is, it is a very impressive uh, sort of series of challenges that you've you've competed with. You're a hell of a lot more impressive than me anyway. So kudos to you. I'm curious, having all of that experience, um, and it was interesting, you were, you were talking then about sort of quality and that you, you don't sort of cross train and stuff like that. Are, are there sort of tenants that you've arrived on that you now pass on to other people with your mountain academy where you kind of offer that sort of technical training? Are there sort of... Yeah, things that you really subscribe to as kind of key pillars in a maybe a training philosophy that you've curated over these years. I do. Um, I think it's really important when we have experience. I mean, like experience over decades, positive and negative failures, success and struggles, and but you don't give up and and you really have a passion for what you do. I think it's important to share. Um, and not sharing, like necessarily just talking about myself and doing motivational talk, but actually, and that's, you know, actually offering programs like clinic and stage and, and, and stages and masterclass. And that's why I created the Chamonix Mountain Endurance Academy in 2015 is to, it's all programs that it's a passion project. That's not my business. It's more like, you know, it's, you come and train with me, you take masterclass with me, you come have fun, you meet other runners, but you leave with knowledge. 
So it's, um, it's non-competitive, but I share what I believe in and what I've experienced and what I've shared with many other athletes that have seen their potential change. And that's really important to me uh, because it's a sport that's booming. There's a lot of stereotypes and, and to be polite, I want to say there's so many people out there that tell you what to do, but it's not always experienced individual. It's not always people that have necessarily a science background or, you know, a lot of people these days, you know, we have a tendency to copy what others do and there's insecurities in the coaching world. So everybody's trying to like be the best at what they do. And I try to step back from all this and I explain, like, let's say you come to my academy to take a trail running camp. I'll basically explain to you why mechanics is important. Then we go on the and work on your mechanics on explain why give you I give you um, tips I don't tell you how you should run I make you feel it the do's and don'ts but then we do that while we run so then you know we will climb a thousand meter but while we climb next thing you know we'll be to the top and you would have run two-thirds of it so it's and then people get inspired and then they feel good and and I share also you know I bring them in beautiful areas and trails that you know, if you're a tourist coming to Chamonix, not knowing the area, you wouldn't necessarily know where to go and where to go where there's less people. And then I share a lot about training strategies and, you know, my philosophy of you have to push your effort if you want to progress, even in endurance and in endure in an endurance um, event or like an ultra race, like the UTMB, it's not having endurance, it's having strength because the distance become the intensity. And this is where I think there's a missing link right now is we're not talking as much about endurance that way. And that's what I've always trained this way. And I think it comes from, again, being a track athlete that to go faster, you have to work faster. Mm. And to run hills, you have to train at running hills. If you always walk them, you don't get better at running them. And after a big descent, any ultra, there's always flat sections. So if you never train at running flats, well, it's always going to hurt your leg if you run flat in ultra, but always run in the mountains. So mm -hmm. these are a few examples that I really share. So I share the perspective of road and trail to incorporate into, you know, mountain training. But on top of that is they leave, they had a lot of fun, they met other people, and I push them, but they don't feel after the weekend, it's like they feel good about who they are. It's not about like, oh, my God, like Chloe just hammered us or <laughs> I had to keep up with everyone. And it's nothing like that. Like, <laughs> Oh, wow. It sounds incredible. And I'm super curious about the, the mechanic side of things, because you said you had a, a science background. Now, I've seen the word NASA here looking, doing a bit of research into you. What's the connection there with your connection to, to NASA and science? And maybe I don't want you to give away too much of your, your course in your academy, but I'm curious about the sort of basic m m sort of principles of the mechanics you're talking about that maybe people can, can think about if they're thinking, okay, this mountain running sounds interesting. Maybe I'd like to, you know, get out on my local trails and, and, and sort of get involved with it. Well, first of all is, Running gets a bad rap because often we hear running is bad for you. It's bad for your joints and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you get a little bit of pain. You go see the doctor or physio or massage therapist or your mother or your partner. And then they say, stop running. It's bad for you. I'm sure a lot of people listening to us can relate to that. Um, and But the reality is gravity is really good for us. And gravity, like in space, we don't have gravity. So body deteriorates a lot quicker versus running is one of the best sport for bone density, for muscle strength. Uh, 
because we, and trail running, we're dealing with gravity. Going uphill is you have to move that weight uphill. On a marathon, why is Boston really hard? Is because there's hills. You know, it's like, uh, you know, Berlin is easy because it's a kind of flat descending course, you know, but again, that's because of gravity. It's not because of the hills. It's because of gravity. We're dealing with gravity. So um, anybody out there in their 40s or 50s always say like the best sport to pick up is running, but run slower than faster and run less, but more often in a week. So then you don't feel, you know, you don't feel the mechanical overload. No, I wouldn't suggest like a 50 year old who's never exercised before to train for a marathon, but start running 30 minutes four times a week. That's really good for you. And think of, fo of running faster than slower, slower, there's more there's more mechanical load. You spend more time on the ground. The knee have more flexion and, and hip also versus working on your mechanics. Like I teach mountain running is high cadence is very important. That's another thing we do in road running. We spend a lot of time working on mechanics, on stride, on cadence, on technique, on elbow drive. But apparently in mountain running and ultra is because it's the long distance you know, we're dealing with long distance mechanics doesn't matter. Like a lot of coaches don't even know much about mechanics in ultra, but it's not their fault. It's the, you know, it's a mentality within the sport. So I always, um, I always, all the programs, the events that I do in Chamonix or outside Chamonix, that's the first thing I teach runners, how to get your cadence quicker, how to have good mechanics. So that's going to reduce the load against gravity. So you have less chance of you know overuse injury but overuse injury is a bad rap it's because your muscles your muscles and your tissue are weak so the more you run if they weak they get weaker so working on mechanics too you increase the strength of the weaker link and then you increase oxygenation your legs are moving faster you have greater mechanics so we call that economy you have greater economy like every sport you have to work on technique to have greater economy so then for the same pace you run now you can actually run faster with less you know work with less load so if hopefully that makes sense for everybody listening to us <laughs> no it does it does like and again you can hear your sort of technical background there so what what is your 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 science background what's the story with with that well, basically, I have exercise physiology background. So, you know, that's my degree. That's a foundation. Um, and then, you know, I, I continued my studies, the master in biomechanics and high performance. But what I really focus on is that came with time is really understanding how the body, how the body function at a cellular level. So enzymatic, cardiovascular, muscular, the biology, you know, that, that digestion, central nervous system. And then I really got into neuroplasticity. So neuroplasticity is basically, you know, it's the neuroscience of the brain, but how it affects the rest of the body as much as our mindset and our mechanics. And, um, you know, why do you think, for example, a pianist, it takes a long time to be a good pianist because it's technical. And at first, you cannot even like remember the notes. You have to look at the notes and you have to look at your fingers. And, you know, that's the brain. That's basically the brain adapting to learning something new. And sports is the same thing. Training is the same thing. So for me, you know, the, the correlation between mechanics and, and basically neuroscience, which is how the brain function and how we become who we are with our behaviors, our emotion, our mental aspects or the mindset and the physical aspect, how we can progress and push our body to a higher level of potential. So I call that closer to your physio physiological capacity. This is what basically 
intrigued me. And progressively, without really knowing it, I forged myself a specialty into, you know, into that department of science. And I brought that into practical applications. So, you know, I can teach conference in support of the orthopedic clinic. Uh, I can, you know, relate that to athletes, which I don't go into like, you know, the whole terminology, science-based proven, um, uh, again, methodologies, but I know the practical aspect of it. So I can basically help them become, you know, a better athlete. Um, and, um, and then I give results with that. That's what's so amazing is the last 20 years, you know, that I teach, you know, surgeon or physiotherapist, or I work with a professional team or a professional athlete is my, my mission is to figure out what's missing, figure, figuring out an injury or a lack of potential, and then finding answers so they can move on and be the best they can be. And we talked about that earlier about the, the sort of limits when it comes to mountain and trail running are sort of untapped in terms of potential with, with that kind of scientific cap on what do you think is is possible are there records do you think that can fall are there times that can be beaten in terms of the trail mountain running races that exist with this untapped potential that can be unleashed oh totally totally and um and i say that in a very you know honest way uh you know not towards um you know my own potential but from what I see and what I know of the body, I think what's really missing is really understanding um, the needs of a mountain athlete. Like that still has to, it's very, the, we're missing the fundamentals of training in mountain running right now. And we're working so much on long distance and training slow and people don't take the time to become a 20, a good 20K runner, a 40K runner, a 50K. Like they go straight to ultra. And there's coaches that will take like starters to ultra. You cannot progress, you know, like fitness is not linear. And you cannot just jump into a marathon if you cannot even run a 10K. But this is what's happening right now. So first is that. First is, you know, to realize there's a, you know, there's, there's a progression to fitness. You cannot, you cannot speed up. Uh, performance. And secondly, too, is, you know, it's the methodology that needs to change is even though it's a long distance, we need to do quality training. And it's not by accumulating the vert and accumulating the volume, which a lot of, you know, the mass is more doing now, it's more like learning how to, to run and to alternate run walk and to have good mechanics and working on economy and working on, you know, an ultra is who's going to slow down the least. It's not who goes the fastest. And 100 meters is the same. Usain Bolt basically was not the fastest. He's the one that slowed down the leaves between 60 meter and 80 meter. And if you look at one of his race, you'll see that, you know, he was kind of, he started like taking off at 60 meter and everybody was behind. Well, that should be the goal in an ultra is let's focus on building fitness. And year after year, we build the distance and we accumulate the fitness for the distance. So then you can go race 100K with slowing down the lease, instead of right from the beginning, you start walking or you're already slow from the beginning. So that's number one. Like that's what really needs to change and evolve so we can see better results from the mass and faster from the elite. And in terms of the elite, do you, are there individual athletes that you think are 
are doing it right or, or, or you know, talk, incorporating this kind of stuff you're talking about and who are sort of starting to push that ceiling in terms of that, that peak performance. Totally. And there's a few that there's a few, not to name anyone here. I want to stay neutral, but like um, there's a few, like we saw it more, like we saw it last year at UTMB. It's there's some that are trying to train more professionally. And even the guys and the girls that come from a road background are more ready. I find, you know, they more have the mindset and the body and the training methodology and philosophy, I should say, not methodology, but philosophy of, you know, training, training their speed, training their, you know, the, training a tempo that you can resist the pace for a specific climb and descent and recover, you know, you can recover, you have enough oxygenation to recover within an ultra to keep on going. Yes. Um, there's some that, uh, really surprised me, but there's some elite too, that have really poor strategies. That's another part of ultra that to be a really good ultra runner, you have to have good strategies for fueling and hydration and pacing and and Tim Tolison is a good friend of mine, and I crewed for him a couple of years at UTMB. So, you know, Tim was, you know, he finished twice third at UTMB. And when you crew for him, you see all the first guys and some of the girls, depending, go through and you see massive difference within like all, you know, the ones that you think are going to win, but you see the difference of professionalism and preparation. And um, I think that's, that can, you know, and there's a few that have, reached out to me every year during UTMB. I've got some of the elites, you know, contacted me over you century, nickel this, nickel that. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? And, you know, the, obviously the one that reach out are humble and want to progress. But what I see a lot is there's a lot of elite are not too sure to like, how can I progress here? And, um, and uh, strategy is very important because you can prepare yourself to be the best but you cannot prepare to race an ultra. You don't know how your body's going to react. So it's all about adaptation. It's all about like this food doesn't work today, but it's been working the last four months. So what do I do now? You know, what do I do with GI issue? What do I do with, you know, with the Achilles tendinopathy that always happens two thirds into the race. And, you know, these are all elements that makes a big difference at an elite level. That's really interesting. And we haven't really touched on nutrition and hydration and, and GI issues. Cause I think that's very interesting as well. How does one develop a strategy for the unknowns then? Like you saying there, I've eaten this insert gel or or food here. Months and months and months. I've simulated race efforts for months and months and months. It's always been fine. My stomach's always played ball. But today I can't keep anything down. How do you build a reserve of, of strategy for those kind of situations that you cannot predict? Well, first of all, you have to look at you have to look at what you cannot predict and how you can you can train yourself for all the unpredictable. And in ultra often is weather. It's heat, it's humidity, it's cold, it's rain, and it's altitude. So you can prepare for everything. You just have to get out. And this is something I teach a lot. And I think a lot of my success especially in mountain bike racing in the severe cold of alaska is because i train in those conditions like when it was midnight at night and it was really cold in british columbia and snowstorm i would get out and ride my bikes for four hours to see how my body reacts i cannot tell like i when when i have someone calling me and ask me the same question you just did i said i cannot tell you what to eat i cannot tell you what to drink but i can tell you what your body needs and i can tell you what to stay away from but you have to go out there and do it 
you have to get out at noon when it's really hot and you have to go do your long run to see how your body reacts what food you can take in when it's really hot what food can you take in when it's really really humid and and learning how to recover from that so then the next day you can keep on training so it's not just like being out there it's like the heat and the humidity totally like like look at Budapest right now during the world championship I mean last night and the 400 hurdles I mean they were going a lot slower it was not like an impressive 400 meter hurdles we had the best in the world but just because it was so hot it was like 40 degrees all day mm. so it's the same thing in an ultra so and you have to learn to push your effort when things are not great and you have to learn how to back off and not just like to shut down so you have to go and put yourself in all those situation and training and this is what, too, we're not telling you. We're telling you, like, yeah, if you have to go adapt in the heat. Me, the first thing I tell people, and that's what I did to get myself ready for Marathon de Sable, is I don't have time and the money to go adapt <laughs> three weeks before the race. It's like, I have a job here. <laughs> I'm not a pro runner. Even if I was a pro runner, I'll keep my job. So it's like, but I can get out in the heat. And even though the Marathon de Sable was in April, every summer... I didn't have to wait till like the month before every summer I would get out when it was really hot. And I learned also to adapt. My brain got, my brain made some adaptation neurally to get used to the heat, but not physiologically. I learned how to push because it became more, you know, I became accustomed to training in the heat, even though I hated and I always felt like I was working so much harder because our immune system is suppressed in the heat. Everything shuts down to a certain percentage, depending on your fitness and who you are and your genes. So just that you get into your race, it's noon, you've been racing for six hours and then the heat goes on, you know, you know, it's like, okay, I've done this for three months. I know how it feels. I know I need to back off. I know this food's going to work better. I know I need to drink more. I need, I know I need to add more electrolytes in my water. You see, it's all, these are the strategies that make you, um, make you DNF less and give you a lot of confidence because you take control of your race. You take control of the situation instead of like reacting and panicking and then quitting. You mentioned something there. You said about genes. Um, and I think that's really interesting because I think some people listen to this. And I, I suppose I'd maybe include myself in this as well. Might think, oh, I'm not built for the mountains. I just don't mm -hmm. think it's for me. I feel like, you know, I've got I've got ankle issues. I've always had problems with my knees or or I, I don't have that kind of endurance or whatever. Like, can anyone equip themselves with the tools that you're talking about so that they can have an enjoyable experience out there on the trails. Totally. You just have to um, be well, well surrounded to know, like, it's not everybody who knows what to do, but what's um, you need to surround yourself with people that can help you um, to be a, a good mountain runner. Um, you still need to have the fundamentals of running. So I would say join a road running club with a good coach, every town, every, city has a good running club and and road coach that you can learn the fundamentals of like cadence and mechanics and i think that's really important so first of all learn how to run learn how to have a higher cadence and then build strength like we need a lot of we need 
foot matricity and lower leg strength for mountain running. Well, you don't have weak ankles. You roll your ankle and you have sore calves because your foot is weak. So like skipping rope barefoot and doing like heel raises barefoot and doing two-toe heel raises barefoot. And, you know, exercise like that will build you a really strong foundation to run uphill and to have greater toe off and, you know, to be lighter, like running downhill is really hard on the quads. So doing like decline squat, eccentric loading of the quads. And, you know, these are the type of exercise that actually build you to be a mountain runner and to decrease your chance of injury. The thing is, is you, you need to have that information. That's what's missing right now. And that's why I love going to sport orthopedic clinics and, you know, doing masterclass for coaches is we need to, we need to give that information to people so they can start running, enjoying trail running without pain and progressively get stronger, but get out there. I mean, it's really, really, it's a fun sport. It's cheap. Uh, you can do it alone. That's what's great. Sometimes it's good to be alone, but you can, you can join a group too, or you, you take a clinic, you, you go somewhere and take a three-day clinic and learn the fundamentals, you know? So what if people want to learn the fundamentals with you? Cause I imagine they've been listening to this conversation and uh, the pennies kind of dropped that you know what you're talking about and you've got a good body of experience. So what about if people are like, I want Chloe to teach me these things? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, I wrote two books. So the great thing is that, you know, for years, people were telling me, you should write a book. You should write a book. You should write a book. Everybody's saying you should have a YouTube channel. You should have a YouTube channel. It's like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> it's like, sorry. But then, you know, there's two different publishing companies to ask me to write books. So I have books out. But um, but they're only in French for now. Eventually, they'll be in English. But if you want to come and spend some time with me in Chamonix, the best thing is that uh, you go to my website, which is chamonixacademy.com. But what I've put together, too, is I've put some live masterclass that you join me on Zoom. They're free. Right now, I don't have any because it's August and it's way too busy and it's kind of the holidays. But I offer two to three free masterclass a month. They're one hour and they're usually Sunday, five to six. And that's my time in Chamonix. So it's Paris time. And uh, it's on a specific subject. So it could be like how to increase speed, how to reduce your risk of injury, what's economy. And a lot is around mountain sport. And I focus a lot on trail running too, even though I focus on hydration and fueling and strategies for ultra so I try to vary and in an hour you get a lot of information and I give you ideas and I give you tips and what to do with that at home, how to train that. And then you start a relationship with me so you can start emailing me if you have a question and you're not sure if you're doing the right thing. So that I think is, you know, step number one, step number two in the summer I offer a weekend and day camps that are very specific to trial running. So you can come and work on your techniques and your, um, and your uh, fitness with me. <laughs> well, so you, people can come and join you out in, in Chamonix. Yes, in Chamonix. And um, in Chamonix, I have like for the people that live in Chamonix, or if you're visiting Chamonix, I have a lot of people from the UK coming on holidays here. And every Tuesday morning in the summer, from 6.15 to 7.15 in the morning, I do vertical training. So it's, it's training for uphill and downhill for trail running. I have all levels. And uh, so that's another thing too, that you can join us if you're on holiday in Chamonix. Okay. And then yearly, I offer my Chamonix Mountain Running Festival, uh, which is a non-for-profit event. And again, it's to share, um, to share knowledge and bring a lot of speaker and elite runners. So it's three days and you can basically come and, and get inspired and learn a lot. So these are basically, you know, programs I offer that you can learn from me and people around me. 
Talk to me about that festival, the, the Chamonix Mountain Running Festival. When When's that on? That on usually usually it's this coming weekend. Um, it's uh, th- basically I'm up to my sixth edition right now. I started in 2018, just before uh, just before COVID, and uh, the Chamonix Running Festival. My goal with that was to to inspire the trail and mountain community to progress. Basically, everything we've been talking about. So it's not, uh, it's it's a weekend that I bring speakers, I bring elite runners, I bring sports science experts, and it's full of masterclass of trail clinics, inspiring films in the evening. It's very social, it's very innovative. So what you hear and what you see is not what you read on social media, you know, it has an edge and then you get to run with us. Um, the, I keep the small, the groups really small so you can interact with elite runners. And if you go, my website is Chamonix Run Fest. So if you go on it now and you look, I still have the speaker of last year on it. So you can see, uh, you'll see that I have 15 uh, runners that are basically, you know, often at the starting line in UTMB and some of them end up on the podium. So it's really inspiring. But most of all, uh, it's to share and to, uh, you know, it's, um, I created, again, as a passion project, it's a non-for-profit. And last year, um, I gave all the um, registration fee to uh, to um, Brave Like Gabe uh, Foundation in the U.S. And it's um, it's basically a foundation that, um, that raised money for rare cancer research. And the professional runner who started that foundation before she passed was Gabe Grunwald and she was a professional runner uh 1500 meter and while she was doing through her her treatment she even tried to race she, she even tried to race and compete and make it for the Olympic trial um she didn't make the she didn't make the team but just to give you an idea so every year I tried to uh, raise awareness like last year we brought her husband who runs a foundation with a CEO he's a pro runner himself he's a doctor also and we showed a movie about Gabe uh on Gabe about like training and um you know it's okay to struggle but it's not okay to give up and how running uh, at any level you can be an athlete that you can be a beginner you can have an illness you can be you know on your last few days and uh, I think that's really important for me to pass on is that um, running is really good for us sport can be a way to to get out and to feel better about yourself and to learn something about you and and to inspire yourself and others and like Gabe said it's okay to struggle but it's not okay to give up so my festival is, um, you know, it's about that too. It's about how not to be a how to be not to be a runner, but to be an athlete. Mm. So how to train? Like even though like you're a listener right now, who's always wanted to start running, but you you feel you don't have the body, and you don't want to put your hips in tights, and you don't want to, you know, you you don't you're you're shy to put a, t- a tank top and it's like forget about that is we don't care people don't care and you're just limiting yourself and second of all is start running but do it the right way so you can progress and for me that's an athlete an athlete is somebody that trains smart and progress and the best feeling in the world is to feel you're progressing being stagnant and not progressing is like for anyone for and the best in the world to 
the one that just started like running six months ago. So the festival is to give you all that info. So you leave and you have the tool. So we give you a toolbox, a Swiss army knife for running. <laughs> and then, and, and you meet great people, people make friends. And so what I did this year is it was starting to be too much to have the festival the weekend before the UTMB. The UTMB has kind of started now in Chamonix, even though it's only starting next week. So it's going to be next year, June 7 to 9. So it's three evening, three days. So stay tuned. I'll probably upload more info like later on this fall. There you go, listeners. Next year, mark it in your calendars in June. I mean, and there's so many other ways as well to sort of dip into the kind of things that you're talking about with these free online talks as well. And I, I imagine people listening to this maybe are starting to think a little bit more about the mountains. And I, I love that thing of thinking of yourself as an athlete, not just a runner and promoting longevity in something that you love that can bring you so much joy as this conversation has. And this feels like a lovely note to end it on. So Chloe, Thank you so much. I'll put all of the relevant links for all the things we've talked about today in the show notes. But yes, thank you so much for coming on the show and being a brilliant guest on The Big Run. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. A big thank you to Chloe for coming on the show. I'll put all the relevant links to all the things we talked about in today's show notes so you can dive deeper into them if you are interested. I hope you've enjoyed this week in the mountains and it's got you inspired to get out on your local trails as well. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time on The Big Rump.